Nate, how you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to Millennial Manhood. Thank you. So for the folks who don't know who you are, uh, give us a brief uh, Nate 101. <laughs> Nobody knows who I am. It's fine. <laughs> oh, come on. Now you're a celebrity. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my name's Nate Cahoe. I, I guess I can just go with my career. I started my career in politics right out of school, 2008. Worked for President Obama for six years, first in the Department of Homeland Security, where I did the daily briefing book for the secretary, and then at the White House, where I did efficiency and effectiveness policy. After that, I uh, was done with politics, had enough of that, took a motorcycle trip, which I intended to be very long around the world, ended up being six months down to uh, South America, through Central America from DC, uh, learned a lot about myself, uh, decided to want to be on a motorcycle anymore, and uh, came back to the US where I've worked in startups ever since, and now I'm the uh, founder of a startup called Stay Circles. Wow. So I have heard a lot of people get fed up with politics, but I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone just saying, you know what, motorcycle it is, ride until I don't want to anymore. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Uh, yeah, well, so actually, I <laughs> I actually drove my motorcycle to work at the White House every day. So I was, I was an avid motorcyclist, and I was probably the only one that walked into the White House. Uh, I actually worked in the EEOB right next door every day. Uh, wearing full body armor because at that point I was taking my my safety pretty seriously and I had a suit on under my body armor. I was I was quite a character back then. Wow. Um, yeah. So I mean, I was the only one doing that then, and I was probably the only one that hopped on a bike and just got out of town after. Although you know, people when they leave those jobs do all sorts of traveling and getting away, etc. From it, I mean, they're very intense, very singularly focused work and. Uh, that town is a one industry town and it's great to get away. So I, I certainly wasn't the only person to do that. Hmm. So I've never lived in DC, nor have I ever worked in DC, but I've visited. And in the in the short spurts that I've been there, it's a very intense town. It, it, to me, at least, everything seems very intense. Like, like you said, it's a one industry town. So going from that for years to, I'm assuming, were you, were you by yourself on the motorcycle? It was just you? Yeah, I had a, a very close friend on his motorcycle join me for the first half and a little longer. So for the first bit, he was uh, either right in front of me or right behind me on his bike. But, you know, it, and so having him obviously was incredible. But when you're riding alone on a motorcycle, there's a lot of silence. So I think where, I know where you're going. And yeah, it was very different everyday experience. So how far did you make it into South America? Oh, not too far. Uh, basically, the, the southern tip of Colombia. I did about a month in Colombia is just, you know, wonderfully diverse and wild and incredible and fascinating. And so uh, I spent a lot of time in Colombia and uh, about the time I finished with Colombia was about the time I was finished with the trip in general. And then did you just ride it back up? Oh man, you know, so the trip ended on epiphany. It was, I was so singularly focused on accomplishing what felt like the goal, which was to ne kind of never stop until the world encircled, that allowing that potential into my mind would have been so disheartening that I just would never let it happen until I got down to the city of Cali and it just happened all at once, just stopped and said, whoa, this isn't fun anymore. I got things I want to do. It's time to go home. And it just kind of like happened so fast. And so I didn't ride back. I actually... Um, looked at all my options and the best move was to fly the motorcycle and myself back from Bogota. So drove on back and did some 
freight with my bike, which is interesting because you have to like, if you want the lower rate, you have to time it in between the flowers and the blueberries because those are perishable. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you, you never actually know when your shipment's going to leave. They just tell you when it happens. It's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. So Nate, I got to tell you, I've had 30 plus people on this podcast. I don't, I haven't had anybody who worked for a president and I definitely haven't had anybody on here who rode a motorcycle to central or South America. <laughs> like that, that's a, that's a pretty interesting story. So Obviously, that takes a while to do and a lot of silence and a lot of thinking. And you mentioned epiphany. So what was the epiphany that you came across on your trip? Oh, you know, so I guess, let's see, I just turned 30. I'm a millennial <laughs> to, to the name of your show, if that fits. You know, so it's it's a it's an interesting time to be that age. And I had done this first part of my career without a clear second part. So there's a lot of like not knowing who you are. And having who I was sort of defined around finishing that trip, the the giving up of the trip was sort of sort of giving up on who I was thought I was going to be. To to get there, there there sort of has to be some formulation of who you want to be to replace. And and really, what it was about was as much as motorcyclists might like to not admit it. I guess it's incredibly dangerous, and it's way more dangerous in Central and South America than it ever is in the U.S. for a, a number of reasons. And I was just you know, riding my motorcycle up here, that's just in constant danger. And that constant danger started to weigh on me just from, from these things you don't really consider until you grow into a man. Like maybe I do want to have kids someday. Like maybe I do want to do all those later in life things. And as soon as you realize you want to do those things, as soon as you realize the thing you're doing is sort of risking ever being able to do those things, it all kind of just came to a head. And so, you know, I look back on it and that traveling is incredible. And traveling the world overland, overlanding is the way to go for me. And it was awesome. And if I had been in a Jeep, it might've been really different, but on a motorcycle, it's just, it's just not the way to do it in my opinion for many reasons, but the biggest one being it's dangerous. Hmm. Interesting. So, so the danger is what really brought you to the forefront of thinking about a lot of these different things all of a sudden. Where you're, where you're contemplating and thinking, oh man, I, I do want to be, a, like you said, I do want to be a dad. I do want to get married. I do want to do all these later in, in life things. And you were consciously putting yourself in a situation where you might not be able to do those things for, for one reason or another. Um, yeah. How does that though change your thinking when you come back? So obviously you, you go from politics, which I mean, that's a, that's a very old profession and it's not going anywhere to, <laughs> to working in startups, which is, Hey, this could make us all rich or fail tomorrow. What, what was that transition like? Yeah, sure. So in order to pivot to the professional piece of that moment in my life, I think, I think it's worth going back and saying that, you know, danger was a primary motivator, but the, the other piece of my experience then was a feeling of just kind of dramatic selfishness. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, you're out there and you got this bank account that you saved up and you're rolling through cities and you're stopping, you're having some burritos, you're talking to some locals, you're having a beer at night on a beautiful beach, you're seeing new things. It's all about you. And it's all about having fun. And, and like <laughs> after a while, that's no way to live, in my opinion. I think most of us are driven to make the world better or to be a piece of making making pieces of the world work or you know just being a part of society and of of progress and of moving things forward and you know so much of my the way i thought about my the first part of my career in politics was successful in that way i was proud of who i worked for i was proud of what we did and i was making the world better by working for him and working in, in our government. And so, you know, 
there was none of that in the trip. And so, uh, you know, circling back to your question, I think finding a way to make an impact with my life and to make my career meaningful was important, is important as, as the rest of my career. And so, you know, so I, I came back and I, I learned a ton in working for a number of startups and uh, very quickly came up with the idea for Stay Circles. And that's been my whole life since. And, and I, you know, from, from that perspective, I'm thrilled with what I think Stay Circles will do because uh, it fulfills that need. Well, and I, I want to piggyback on that real quick. I know when we initially spoke on the phone, you talked about, and you can explain what Stay Circles is when you answer this, but that part of the genesis of Stay, Stay Circles on that trip was the sense of loneliness you felt. Can you elaborate a little bit on that sense of loneliness and how that led to the creation of Stay Circles? Yeah, I think to do that, I should orient the listener just a little bit. So let me just give the quick spiel on what Stay Circles is and then circle back. So Stay Circles is a, you know, it's my tech startup. It is dramatically lowering the cost of travel by helping people find really inexpensive flights and then connecting those same people with their friends and friends of friends in destinations so they can easily see and stay with them when they're traveling. So we have two mobile apps, one called Adventure Machine, uh, with which you know finds really expensive flights from your home airport and notifies you so you can jump on that deal. And Stay Circles, which gives you the world map of your friends and friends of friends to easily see and stay with them when you're traveling. So our tagline is stay with each other and we are revolutionizing travel. And to your point uh, or your question, you know, so having a world map of your friends and friends of friends was something I would have loved during my motorcycle trip. I was passing through city after city where I, you know, I, I had a pretty good network of friends. We had a wonderful the, the working on the Obama campaigns introduced me to like thousands of really interesting, amazing people with incredible networks. And so I knew driving through these cities, I just knew there were friends of friends who lived there who I could have had a beer with and gotten to know. And it would have been fun and social and not lonely. And it didn't exist. And so, you know, stay, one piece of stay circles is that map of your friends and friends of friends that people use to grab beers with friends of friends when they're in strange towns. And I wish I'd had it then. And I'm, I'm happy I built it now so I can use it when I travel more. These days I'm at my desk working. Yeah. It, it's such a cool concept because, so for the listeners, the way you and I connected was actually through Adventure Machine, right? Yeah. So, yep. so I downloaded the app. I was like, this is pretty cool. So I contacted you and I said, hey, you don't know who I am, but I've got a podcast. You want to be on it? And you know, we went from there. But I, I do think the concept is so cool because, and we can get into this a little bit more later as well, but I, even though we're more connected than ever as people, we also, and there's study after study saying this, we feel lonelier than ever. So creating basically a social media and network of sorts, but that actually physically connects you to other people. It's not just, oh, I like their picture or I'll you know like their video or comment or whatever it may be. No, I'm looking for people that I can actually go grab a beer with and chat with in, I don't know, Texas or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, ex exactly. I think anyone listening has got to, if they're honest with themselves, recognize the loneliness that social media can create. We all look at those pictures and say, man, I wish I had been there. Or these people look really cool. I wish I was friends with them. Or why am I sitting at home right now and I could be out doing what these awesome people are doing? I mean, you know, in my opinion, Instagram is entirely built on FOMO, fear, fear of uh, being left out. So yeah, I mean, like, duh, it's not healthy. And, and so what Stay Circles does is it at least helps you 
figure out the geography of the social connections that really matter to you. And geography is the piece. I mean, if you don't have geography, you're, if, it, if, you, if the bar is not around the corner, you're probably not going to go there three nights a week and see your friends. Yep. And so, yeah. Well, and when you think about it, you know, you are an, a quote, older millennial. Yeah. You're, you're on that. Right on the front. edge. <laughs> yeah. And we, we talked about this. You have a very vivid memory of life before the internet. You yeah. Probably, you probably wrote a five paragraph essay in a paper where you do, had to do research and you whipped out an encyclopedia. So what has that transition been like, especially being in the tech world where you're seeing these changes and you're you're trying to scale something and grow something and make it impactful, make the world a better place. What what do you want to see stay circles from an impact standpoint beyond society? Wow, I'll do my best at that one. Um, this is this is where you get the dream and share the dream with everyone. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, sharing our lives with each other is something that Facebook does. You know, you you, you all the highlights, the birthdays and the graduations and the marriages. And now at my age, you start to see the divorces. <laughs> yes, um, yes, you do. <laughs> and, and it's good. It's really good for that. And, you know, I give it no ill will. I think knowing about lives happening and knowing the markers is really different than experiencing them. And the, in my, in my opinion, the fundamental human experience is sharing our lives with each other. It's talking about are hard things. It's looking at each other. It's it's it is inherently physical and personal, and you gotta like actually be around people to experience the best of it. That's been my experience pre-internet, post-internet, whatever. Being human is about sharing it with each other. So I think everyone knows that, even if you are 16 years old and you've only known a life with the internet and with Snapchat, you still know that's true. And you'll know it more and more as you get older. So Stay Circles lets you more easily tune the logistics of your life around people. So when I'm going, when I'm going up to New Hampshire to see my mom, I'll open up my map and I'll figure out two or three friends along the way and I'll just schedule coffee with them. And bam, I've had three coffees with three people from different points in my life, up and down from New Jersey to New Hampshire, the six hour drive. And I feel great. I feel like whole in a way that no social media has ever been able to solve for me. So uh, I hope people use it for that. I hope they fill their lives more with face-to-face, what I call loving each other, which is just like, you know, most of the time it's just like talking to each other about reality, about like the reality of having a life in this world. So I hope there's more of that. I love that. And I think that's such an admirable objective too, just because we are losing that face-to-face connection. And, and it actually, as you were giving that example of you going to visit your mom, I'm thinking, you know, I drove to Knoxville today and I was actually talking to my wife and it was for business. And I said, well, I'm going to go to dinner. And she said, by yourself? And I said, yeah, by myself. She said, why? And I said, I don't think I've got any friends left in Knoxville from college, quite frankly. And when I really think about it, yeah, I do. Somebody's here. Like I, I can almost guarantee it that I could go grab dinner with somebody else, but the effort and energy that I thought about it would take to find somebody almost didn't seem worth it. So it's all, it, you think about it, it's like the left turn when you're driving down the road and you need gas and you see a gas station on the left side of the road right in front of you or a gas station a mile down on the right side of the road. You'll probably drive that mile to turn right and not have to make that left turn. Oh, totally. And it's like, yeah. and it's like, it's like that concept behind stay circles allows for people to make, not make a left turn. It's, it's easier. Yeah. I mean, right. So like we, <laughs> human, humans 
are we we have all sorts of confusing schemes around effort and just being uh, uncomfortable. And we do remarkable things to avoid discomfort that make really no sense in the big scheme of things. Your, your example is a good one. Like we we're, we choose to be lazy in moments that make no sense compared to other moments when we work really hard and none of it all comes together. And geography really helps meet up with people, you know, because like a lot of people don't want to drive a half an hour across town during rush hour for that party or, or for to meet up with you to dinner. But like, if you bit, if you were like, Hey, I'm driving right by, where's your favorite restaurant? It gets way easier. And so ha- knowing where they live allows you to orient these sort of options around that and make it easier for sure. No, and, and like, actually like we just like don't have each other's addresses, which I find sort of absurd because if any of my good friends called me right now and was like, Hey, what's your address? Of course I give it to them. Yeah. You know, like it's fine. And on stay circles, when you socially connect with someone, you can choose to show them or not show them your address. And, you know, I'm pretty open. So I'm happy to show my friends my address. Of course, your friends of friends, you can't see their addresses because you don't actually know those folks. Yeah. It's one of those things where you think through it. So it's this, this technological world has made it so awesome in one way. For example, what do you, don't you live in Philadelphia, right? right yeah. Now? Yeah. Okay. Right on the Delaware river, like uh, seven miles North of downtown. Okay. So you're in Philly. I live in Nashville. Right now I'm in Knoxville for business. Going back to Nashville. You've been to D- actually you lived in Nashville at one point before we, we connected. But I'm saying it, you know, twenty years ago or thirty years ago, how hard would it have been for me to even find you and then get a hold of you and then me interview you? So that side of technology has made it incredibly easy for people to share their stories, for people to, you know, create new concepts, to impact you know, impact people's lives around them. But then at the same time, you know, we've made it so easy to connect with each other that we're not doing it because now our standard for what's, for, for what we're willing to tolerate has gone up. Maybe 50 years ago, it wouldn't have been hard, that hard for me to drive halfway across town to come see you for dinner because I didn't have an update on your life every five minutes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, indeed. You know, I skipped my 10 year reunion because I thought, what's the point? I already know what's going on in y'all's lives. Right, right. So, so I, I think that, you know, we talked about this a little bit, you know, the transition of social media where it's had these positive and negative impacts. I mean, what do you think and would you consider Stay Circle as social media? And what do you think social media's impact is going to be in the future? So it's, you know, there's no media on Stay Circles. It is a social network that helps you with logistics, uh, knowing where your people are and then booking stays with them to help you just refine the logistics of, hey, we're going to crash with you tomorrow night or, hey, you know, we're, we're good friends of the same person. You want to have a drink? I see you're in Paris and I'm in Paris for the night, etc. So I, I, I wouldn't call it social media, but there is a social network as the, as the foundation of it. So I, I actually think they're just, they're going to have very different paths and social media. Uh, I'm not really qualified to speak, speak on the future of social media at all, but I can, I guess I can have an opinion and say that it is going to continue to reflect human nature. Uh, you know, it's, it is all the bad and all the good that can be shown on a screen and that's great. And it, it will evolve and I'll continue to use it. And I hope everyone else continues to use it because I don't think it's a inherently bad thing, but it's also happening on a screen mm-hmm. and that is not the best part of life. And so I hope people once, once it, it becomes obviously easier to, spend physical time with each other. I hope people spend more time doing that again, because I think, uh, I think we've all stopped doing a lot of that. I think, you, you know, you didn't go to your 10 year reunion for a reason. And I think 
you probably would have liked to have, if I may. And uh, it's just not the same, you know. And I and I don't and I I I don't think that's a an older millennial trying to tell the young kids how it is. I just I think everyone would agree with that. Like, and it it's harder. Like telling people like telling people how you feel in person is way harder than a status update. But it's but it's way better. It feels way better when you get empathy and you get you can see people's you know body language and you can touch them. You know, it's so for what it's worth. No, that's that's so true. Well, it's it's the classic example of you know if you listen to interviews with celebrities, they get all these mean tweets and comments <laughs> yeah. and all these things, and all of them say the same thing. Nobody's ever come up to me in public, in person, and said anything like that ever. Right, because not, exactly right. Like it's because face to face, you have to be way more real. I think I've I, I've posted things on social media. We probably all have that we wouldn't have said in real life. To 100%. someone, you know, and I think there's a role for that. I think there's a place for that. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I do think it's a bad thing if we stop seeing each other. And so I, I hope Stay Circles can help with that. So when did you launch Stay Circles? We've been built, you know, so I've been building it for a few years now, but it's taken some time to figure out who our first customers are and who our first users really are. And so we launched Adventure Machine around the understanding the 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 under, finally getting the understanding of who they are uh two three now four months ago okay what has surprised you if anything on this journey i so i come from a socially economically mobile background i'm i've been able to afford education i've been able to afford to move around i've i've had all sorts of opportunities that come from uh, from my family and my parents. I've lived all over the country. And, and so I, you know, it's hard to walk in another person's shoes. And I think I've always been able to travel. I certainly don't like have all the money in the world and I couldn't just like travel whenever I want. But once a year, I've always been able to like do one cool week somewhere. I've always been able to pull that off. And I think once we launched, launched Adventure Machine and we, I started talking to the people who were most excited about it because they're the ones that were happy to write us and tell us how happy they were that Adventure Machine existed. What was profound to me was realizing that those folks were are from less economically and socially mobile backgrounds and that mm-hmm. what Adventure Machine and Stay Circles was really doing was giving them their first breadth of dreaming of traveling for the first time. Like It was actually available to them for the first time to start to imagine that they could do that. And given traveling the world is is a you know a, a love of mine to to talk to people who are just feeling that for the first time that that I, I want to use the word hope but that excitement of of it being possible that was an amazing feeling for me it continues to be an amazing feeling and it continues to be a big part of what we're doing with this company because the people that feel that way people that are in that scenario in their economic lives are most of the people. And I hope that most of the people get to see the world. I love that answer so much. What I wrote down was you help them think bigger. And <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, cool. Thank you. I, and I like that. And I think I think Adventure Machine does do that. But what's really cool is it's really them that are the ones who are making it happen because it's their social networks that are empowering that friend of friend moment when you realize, oh wow, I do have a friend in downtown London who has a friend 
in Paris who I could stay with because they put their, oh my gosh, this could happen. And that's on them. We're just ha- you know helping them connect the dots. Yeah. Well, the, the other part I love about every answer you've given so so far, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is just because of the purpose of this podcast. You know, Millennial Manhood at, at its core is about helping young men or, or people in general. We, we've got actually got a pretty broad spectrum of listeners. Help them become better members of their communities, better family members, just just develop in general. And what I've loved about every single one of your answers, when you talk and that passion comes out about what you're truly trying to achieve, it's not about you. Every answer has been other focused. And I think that's I think that's very I think that's very powerful because you know when people think of the entrepreneur starting a company, starting a business, you know, you're envisioning you're envisioning Mr. Monopoly. Okay. Mm. That's that that's what at least in, in in the in the culture when you watch a movie, you know, think Wolf of Wall Street or something along those lines. Sure. Um, and to hear somebody say, you know, I love the fact that people are it's for the first time their eyes are being opened to like, oh, I can travel. I can do these things. Maybe something I didn't think was possible is possible is really, really cool and encouraging. Yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, so I, I fundamentally believe that if you have a great idea, doing the right thing within the context of it and being honorable and being kind always is the best business. And I think this is a great idea. And so uh, making it have social impact, because we've talked a lot about the social impact of Space Circle. So making its social impact inherently positive and as good as it can be is good business and it's good for the world. And I'm proud to keep it focused that way. I love it. Well, let me ask you this, you know, the, the podcast is called Millennial Manhood and just, you know, development of, of young men. Sure. When you look at yourself, maybe as you were going through your quarter life crisis, driving down to Columbia to now, what are some of the biggest changes you found in yourself as a man? So I think one of the consequences of being one of an older millennial is I have lived through and remember a lot of, a lot of our culture in this country, which today is, is now considered immoral frankly. And so I think watching those changes happen so quickly. You know, when I was in high school, using gay as a derogatory slur was super common and I was guilty of it. And I like to think that I recognized that early. Actually, my very good friend who was on that motorcycle trip with me, we both uh, had our first close gay friend in college and immediately recognized the problem with that vernacular, which was, by the way, it gets baked into you after years of being young and hearing that and uh we we like uh, we worked on it in college and so trying to get ahead of those things where there there are everyday things that i think i do that maybe are the wrong things and trying to get ahead of them from a moral and ethical perspective and and uh you know change behavior for the better before it's obvious before all of society or our culture accept that as like an obvious bad idea. And I think, um, I think the me too movement has been really helpful to my, uh, my moral makeup. So, you know, I, I know you asked the question about the motorcycle trip. I don't, I'm not sure, you know, a lot of the motorcycle tri- trip was about me internally. It wasn't so much about me as a person versus vis-a-vis everyone else. And so oh, I answer it now much more recently, much more relevant to, to how I'm feeling now. I think recognizing the fundamental inherent power that I can take 
into every moment of my life because I am a tall white male. And finding a way to do good with it and and finding a way to make peace with the fact that like everyone else doesn't get that and they get different versions of it in different ways. But pretty much I'm the most powerful version of what a body looks like. You know, just trying to to be mindful of that reality and trying to use it to do good is I think it's an important part of being a man in today's culture. Like all we can do is try and make it better. And that it's when I say that, I mean that across a thousand different aspects of of just life. So interesting what you mentioned about the physical aspect of it. So as a as a tall white male myself, I had a couple people call me and, and, and it wasn't in a negative way that they were just saying, oh, when I first met you, I was so intimidated. Mm. And that was pretty shocking to me because it happened like it was like three or four instances in a, in a couple of weeks where it happened. And it really struck me because I thought to myself, one, I'm, I don't think I'm intimidating. At least I would like to think I'm not. I don't know. Maybe I am. But it, it really got me thinking of how I present myself in, in a different way. And, and they did, again, they didn't mean it necessarily in a, in a completely negative way. But I didn't like the fact that that was per se their first impression. So I've, I've definitely been, to piggyback on what you were saying, I've, I've definitely been trying to think through, okay, how can I be other focused in every approach of my life? And maybe I can't avoid looking intimidating because maybe I'm having a really crappy day. I'm just pissed off and I look mean. <laughs> but- I can try to keep that at the forefront of my mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, you remind me, my, my first job on the Obama campaign was south side of Richmond, Virginia, which is the uh, poor African-American side of town. We were registering voters. And there was sort of this thing going on where if you, if you showed that you could register a lot of voters every day, you'd probably get a job on the campaign. That's sort of the way it was, was happening. We're all volunteering, trying to get huh. that job. Interesting. Yeah. So that, you know, they paired us up and they just sent us out there with a bunch of voter registration forms and said, figure it out. And we pretty quickly figured out the best place to register voters there was right in front of the social services building where um, poor African-Americans would come in for their, their government checks, basically. And it was a great place to register them. And I have often looked back on that and thought to myself, just how absurd it was that I felt no fear. Just like jumping into that world, standing tall in it, and asking people for all the information, including their social security number, which is ridiculous that Virginia requires that on a voter registration form, but that's another issue. And in retrospect, that's, that was all about living just this, you know, long existence, you know, 22 years at that point of privilege, like absolute privilege of, of never walking into a bar or coffee shop or school or anything and and ever thinking that I could ever be out of place because I'm tall and white and I'm I'm accepted everywhere you know everyone's into this and uh I've often looked back on that a lot and thought you know I should think twice next time like I should really think about my place in the world and I should certainly think about the fact that when people who don't have have that privilege in whatever way put themselves in tough situations because they need to, because they want to, that I should support them. And I, I try and do that every day, however I possibly can and never seem to do enough, but it's, it's a good way to see the world. If, I think, and I, I work at it. It's interesting. I think one other thing just that I always try to be careful about though, when we, when we look at society in today's day and age. So, you know, a lot of people, obviously my name is Yovitsa, 
Okay, Djurjevic. <laughs> it's, it's about as foreign as you can get in America, especially in the South. But there are people who literally didn't know I wasn't born in America and came when I was 10 years old until like after college. I remember I had dinner or lunch with one of my friends. We were like 23, one year out of school. And I told her, I was like, yeah, when we came to America, and she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I wasn't <laughs> born here. And, um, you know, if somebody just looks at me, not just me, but anybody who fits my mold. It's like, oh, you know, white dude. It's like, well, yes, but yeah, there are several situations in my life where I was like, I don't belong here. Right. I, so although I agree with you, I also think the other side of the coin is, and I just use myself and my own personal experience as an example, kind of connecting state, <laughs> the idea of state circles and the idea of connecting each other as human beings, also getting to know the person behind that and learning the full story. And, and like you said, empath- empathizing and loving and just connecting and, and dealing with each other as human beings. You know, we've all got a story of some sort. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I do, I, that's, that's a great point. And I think what, you know, where I was coming from was up until that moment when you had that conversation, you were accepted. And from their perspective, you knew better. Yeah. You knew better. But from, from there, you got into the conversation, into the room, and, and the friendship was built off of assumptions they had. And, and that is an inherent uh, em- empowerment that you have, is you get to, you get to start from that spot. And, um, and that is, you know, that's not to discount your background and, and all of that, but um, that's, that's where I was coming from. So, yeah. Very interesting. Well, and, and when you, you know, when you look at it and say, hey, let's go back to 18-year-old Nate, knowing everything that you know now yeah. and knowing all that you know about yourself, if you had to go back to 18-year-old Nate, what, what, would, what was one thing, one piece of advice that you would go back to him and say, dude, listen? <laughs> this is fun. Oh, boy. Uh, 18-year-old Nate, work harder. You know, like every every single day since I've been 18, I've had these advantages and I've lived in this place where everything about who I am can can be built on. And, and like I can build companies that reflect what I want to have happen in the world. And, you know, like there's just so much potential in being a young uh, middle class American right now. And there's there's so much there that just work really hard. If, if I had done more really hard work in my twenties and uh, my thirties and my early thirties, I mean, what, you know, there's just so much that could have been done. And so I, I definitely think about that. I mean, otherwise I, eh, life is a journey. I, I kind of liked who I was then. I, I work really hard at it. And like, I, I, you know, everything. I think I've done fine. Yeah. You've probably got another 60 years left. You're good to go. Oh, you know, I, I think about that all the time. Because you know, you never really know, right? None of us really know. And uh, yeah, like I, I, I like to like put a low number on it. I, first of all, I believe that everything in life, all human happiness, can be built based on expectations you can choose. So <sighs> that's so, so good. I, I just this is a core belief of mine, and it's it's always ridiculous to have core beliefs because they're never perfect. But you know, like just set your expectations, and you will be happy. Uh, and so I expect 70 years. I'm going for 70 solid. And if I get more than 70, it's bonus. And that puts me about halfway through. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's the saying. I forgot who said it, but it's all conflict as a result of un- unmet expectations. And I know you were talking about happiness, but yeah, it's it's totally. clarifying expectations. Nate, we're, we're coming up on time here, but how can folks connect with your vision? How can 
you know, state circles, adventure machine, et cetera. Here's your opportunity to plug whatever you want to plug and, and get folks connected to it. Sure. So I, you know, I was just on a call with a new user yesterday who, who talked about, she said, I felt the magic. And so, mm. and, and what she was talking about was she was talking about seeing the map of your friends and then your friends of friends, which of course is going to be exponent. It just kind of like happened. It just sort of like happens when she started inviting friends to her map is they start inviting more friends and then just like so many faces and the faces started showing up in places she's never been that she'd love to go. And all of a sudden she felt comfortable, like, Oh, maybe I could go there and like, wow, they've got a free room or they, they'd take care of me. They, you know, they got my back because we have the same mutual friend. And she, so she described this magical feeling of the world, becoming like coming in reach of her. And so what I'd say to folks is like, you know, check out stay circles. And, and if, if you like what I'm talking about here, invite your friends and start to feel the magic. And in the meantime, get the adventure machine app, check out the cheap flights from your local airport. They are, they, we, we work really hard at our algorithm and the flights are almost universally really good deals that most folks would get really excited about right away. So you have the cheap flight, all of a sudden you can afford it. You build the map, you start to feel that magic of the world getting bigger and smaller at the same time. And, you know, maybe maybe there's a lot more travel in your future than you would have thought. I love it. I love it. And I'll, I'll make sure in the show notes that there's a link to the app and your website and your social media and things like that, that like LinkedIn, if they want awesome. to connect or whatever it may be. But Nate, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we got to connect. You know, you, part of this podcast is what I love is, hey, a cold call can turn into an interview. You never know. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a real pleasure. And, you know, I'll, I'll mention one last thing to, to anyone who becomes a Stay Circles user, just as you got in touch with me, uh, to anyone, you're going to get my email and you can email me. I'll, I'll automate it, send you an email. So anyone out there who's going to become a user, feel free to drop me a note anytime. Awesome. Hey, how many how many apps do you use where the, the creator is like, yeah, just holler at me? <laughs> you, know, you, you don't have Zuckerberg's email or cell phone number, just uh, give him a shout. But yeah, yeah. For, for everybody listening, hopefully you guys got something out of this. Check out the check out the app. Uh, I think it's a super cool concept. And obviously, as always, if you got any compliments or constructive criticism, keyword constructive, don't just complain, offer a solution. Uh, feel free to email us at millennialmanhoodcip at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>